The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome to the Disability Law Show. John Scholes here along with co-founding partners Savannah Tamarkin and Albert Klein, partner as well. Guys, the trio is ready to go. Lots to discuss today. If you've been denied or cut off or you have questions about disability claims, insurance companies, how to get compensation when your rights are ignored, happens all the time. This, of course, is the show for you. You want to reach out to them anytime. Again, one 855 215900 help at disabilityrights.ca. But there's also a website you can go to uh, for LTD FAQs. In fact, it is ltdfaq.ca. Savannah, I know you want to uh, talk a little more about that because I know it's fresh and it's new. So this is, a, this is a really interesting tool. Tell me about it. Yeah, John. Again, been very, very busy week and uh, lots of questions coming in. We're fielding a ton of questions uh, from people who are denied long-term disability mm-hmm. in the three provinces where we uh, practice, where we help people in Ontario, BC and Alberta. And as a result of getting a ton of these kinds of questions, many of them are very similar from individuals who've been denied LTD or are being cut off LTD or just have general questions about their long-term disability claims. We've created a special website called LTDFAQ, frequently asked questions.ca. So LTDFAQ.ca. Now, uh, when people call us, uh, we oftentimes, I mean, we'll, we'll speak with you for free. We'll, we'll give you inform- the information you need, answer your questions about your case. Um, however, we'll also send you uh, any of these FAQ memos that are applicable. And some of the kinds of questions and topics that we get asked about all the time, Albert will, will confirm this as well, he sees this uh, in his practice on a daily basis, uh, is things like appeals. If you've been denied long-term disability or cut off long-term disability payments, should you appeal that process or should you uh, come to us and, and have us explain to you, uh, you know, that there are other options, more forceful options to compel the insurance company to pay you what you're owed. We have a memo uh, that specifically deals with the common reasons for LTD denials. CPP disability, how do you deal with that when the insurance company tells you to apply? Should you apply? Should you not? What is the interplay between CPP disability and long-term disability? And many other kinds of memos like that independent medical examinations, the interplay of employment law and long-term disability law, because many people obviously have issues with their employment at the same time that they're experiencing difficulties with their insurance companies. And by the way, John, this is not just for people out there who are having issues with these specific topics. You can just go to that website. This is all free information. Those memos that we've created on that website are really bite-sized memos. I mean, you can just digest them. They're not, there's no legal speak in there. Uh, it's just plain language, just answering the most common questions. And I can tell you right now, uh, we've been told by, by our team here that uh, manages the website, that since we've launched this website a few weeks back, there have been thousands of people that have come there and downloaded those memos, again, for Brilliant. free. It's It's pure information, and it's just to empower people out there when they're dealing with their long-term disability claims or if they're checking it out on behalf of a friend or a family member. Again, guys, one 821 5900 Anytime to reach out to Savannah or Albert or their uh, respective teams. You can also email help at disabilityrights.ca. We try to, or at least we endeavor to get to a few emails every show, but uh, you got lots more to discuss before we get to that, guys. Go ahead, uh, Savannah, take it away. 
John, I want to talk about uh, vaccines. And this is a very delicate topic, and I know people feel very strongly one way or the other on it. I actually have friends uh, on both sides of the fence. I can tell you right now, full disclosure, uh, I'm pro-vaccine. I've been vaccinated. My family's been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So there's no question in my mind that it's the right way to go. Uh, However, all that said, there are a lot of people who are contacting our firm now each and every hour, not day, every hour, probably every minute actually, uh, since many workplaces have mandated vaccines, asking for help because they don't know what to do. And and I think that when you do the show, John, with Lior and some of the other members on our team, uh, the general discussion is that there are some exemptions. They're very narrow exemption. I think there is a medical exemption, right? If, for example, you are allergic uh, to, to the vaccine, you may get an exemption, uh, a religious exemption. So, so they're very narrow exemptions, okay? But there's something else that no one is talking about, and this is just the reality of the situation. We are still within this global pandemic, right? That's the reason why there's all this discussion and controversy over the vaccines uh, with many of the people out there, not just in Canada, but globally. This is creating tremendous amount of anxiety uh, uh, and stress and and depression and many other psychological uh, or psychologically manifested conditions for individuals out there especially for people who for one reason or another are are worried about this vaccine. And what I want to tell people is this, in the context of disability, okay, it is recognized that if you are suffering from a, psycholog- a psychological condition that disables you from working, be it severe anxiety, be it depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, a phobia, right? If you go to your uh, family doctor or, or you're seeing a psychologist or a psychiatrist, if you are diagnosed with one of these conditions and, and your doctors are saying you cannot work as a result of these conditions or one of these conditions and you have coverage for short-term or long-term disability, you should be applying for that. It doesn't matter that the genesis or the ra- or the reason why you're experiencing these psychological conditions is because of your vaccine hesitancy or, or concern. The, the, the issue of what drives the psychological condition that is disabling you is irrelevant to the analysis as to whether or not you should be receiving short-term or long-term disability. Hmm. So I'll give you an example, for, exa- uh, f- um, for instance, just, just to illustrate. Uh, I had a lady contact me last week and she's in her 50s. Uh, she has uh, a secretarial type job. She's around uh, the Toronto area. And uh, she's one of those individuals that for whatever reason, she's hesitant about the vaccine. But for her, it's almost a panic type of a situation. She's extremely anxious. She also has a history of being anxious uh, and depression, etc. So, the, the, you know, there is a background there. But this whole situation now uh, with her employer mandating vaccines for employees and she she has to come to work at least several times a week. Uh, she's now in such a state of anxiety uh, that she's gone to her doctor who's referred her to a psychologist and she's been uh, diagnosed with a generalized uh, anxiety disorder, um, severe depression, and a few other um, uh, diagnoses. And as a result, her doctor and the psychologist have said, you should be off work, irrespective of the whole vaccine controversy, you should be off work. And she then applies for for disability, and she gets denied. She gets denied on some, uh, uh, you know, f- for for the reasons that that this has to do with the vaccine, and you know, they're not going to essentially um, uh, ac- ac- accept her application. 
And, and I told her, I said to her, that is absolutely inappropriate. It has nothing to do with whether or not your anxiety and depression and everything else arises from you know the vaccine hesitancy. It has to do with whether or not you've been diagnosed or not diagnosed, whether or not you have a disabling condition that does not allow you to work. Right to complete or or to fulfill or to to do the essential tasks of your of your occupation, and so we're going to take that case on for her, and we're going to go after the insurance company because they should be paying her. So I want to let people out there know and understand. Again, I am pro vaccine. Okay, I want to put that out there. If you're not for whatever reason, that's your choice. But if you are suffering from a psychological condition, whether it's related to the vaccine or to something else. And that disables you from working and your doctor supports you being off work, then your application for short-term or long-term disability should be approved. And if they're not, you should be calling us immediately and we will help you. I want to throw that in there in between one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred help at disabilityrights.ca. Don't hesitate. You just want to call uh, Savannah or Albert, member of their teams, and have a chat. There's no pressure. Just get the information. It's even uh, it's even more important. Still got a few minutes to go. We can uh, get into some of the uh, the emails. Savannah, you want to take it down a different road? Uh, actually, I want to go to a, to a question that was posted on mydisabilityquestions.com, and I want to get Albert's thoughts on this. Uh, so this comes from Michelle here, and she writes. I'm a teacher with mental health-related illnesses. I've been on LTD for 10 years. My doctor has retired. My new doctor has decided that I should go back to work. She only had a short phone call appointment with me and hadn't even met me in person. I also suffer from severe um, psoriatic arthritis. I'm 55 years old. What can I do? What do you think, Albert? Hi, Michelle. Well, firstly, thank you for writing in. And uh, sorry to hear that you've been dealing with everything here. Uh, I mean, it puts you in a bit of a precarious position. And obviously, as soon as you relay this information to the insurance company, it's going to be something that the insurance company is inevitably going to jump on. And at the end of the day, you, you need to find a supportive doctor. And it's not unreasonable for you to shop doctors to find someone who is supportive. For every single disabling issue that you have, I try and see someone. So you're dealing with mental health, health illnesses, you're dealing with psoriatic arthritis, perhaps you want to go to a rheumatologist, perhaps you want to see a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and basically get some treatment providers to help undermine this new doctor. But at the end of the day, some doctor that has never seen you, it's basically what the insurance company does, right? Often they'll do this. They'll get a, a doctor to basically just review review your file, but without actually ever meeting with you, they decide that you're capable of working. In this instance, that's what that's unfortunately what your doctor has also done. So you just need to combat it with real opinions from real doctors who have actually met with you, and you need to get a new doctor, plain and simple. What do you think, Savan? Before we uh, break, you got a quick comment on that? I do. I, I agree with Albert. I mean, the fact that she's been on LTD for 10 years tells me a lot. It tells me that the insurance company has recognized not only that she's disabled from her own occupation, but from any occupation for which she's suited for. Uh, because usually that's that change of definition date, right? A two-year mark. And here's the other thing, and Albert, I mean, it's possible if she's experiencing mental health issues and arthritis that she already has these other experts. So it's possible that uh, this new doctor, perhaps a family doctor, um, that hasn't properly spoken to her and understood her condition, is actually going to, you know, be playing much of a role here, given the fact that she's been on LTD for ten years and presumably would have had to provide some other medical support, perhaps from a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a rheumatologist. So I would also tell Michelle to go to any of those 
individuals that may have supported her in the past. But I agree with you. The insurance company is going to jump on this. If there's a doctor or someone treating you that is saying, no, this person can go back to work, that's that's easy pickings for the insurance company here. And, and to me, that's very, very unfortunate, but there are ways to combat that. The other thing I would tell Michelle is if she wants to contact us directly, not just put in that question, but actually speak with us in more detail about her situation, because it, it is very precarious, as Albert said, uh, you have to be very careful in how to, how to navigate this. We can help her through this, and we do this all the time. Again, it doesn't cost anything. We're helping people out there deal with those kinds of claims before they are cut off, not just after but before they're cut off LTD. Again, that came from MyDisabilityQuestions.com. That is yet another resource for you. Let's take a short break. Jensen, we'll get to more. Lots of emails on the way to contact uh, Savannah or Albert and the respective teams confidentially. Email works, help at disabilityrights.ca, and the phone number we keep giving it out, 1-855-821-5900 is the way to do that. Reach out and contact them, the firm that has successfully helped, and I mean this, tens of thousands of Canadians Get results. You can do that anytime you like. We'll continue. Lots more Disability Law Show is on the way. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back. Disability Law Show co-founding partners, Savannah Tamarkin and Albert Klein, partner here as well, giving you the information and the contact and the assurance you need to reach out to them anytime. Samfiru Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed disability law firm in this country. How about that? one 821 5900 Email we use, help at disabilityrights.ca. And for uh, FAQs about LTD, go exactly there. LTD FAQ. .ca anytime you'd like. All right, Sam, let's get right back at it. So I wanted to mention something that was interesting. I got an email a few days back from a gentleman who is the uh, Parkinson's Canada facilitator for the National Young and Early Onset Parkinson's Disease Support Group. Uh, and he himself has Parkinson's. And he basically said that his group meets virtually uh, every week, um, sorry, every third Tuesday of every month. And uh, he, the nature of the email was interesting. I want to just put it out there because there may be other people who are suffering from conditions and they're part of groups that meet either in person, well, now with COVID, I mean, maybe virtually. But this gentleman here, who's the coordinator, um, essentially asked me to uh, participate in, in these Zoom sessions that they have and do Q&As. And what he's saying is that despite the fact that Parkinson's you know, is a recognized illness. Uh, it's a degenerative illness, and and you know we we don't have I think a cure for it as far as I understand. Uh, there's ways to manage it, but it's a very difficult illness to deal with. Uh, they experience a, a lot of issues with uh, with insurance companies, with disability insurers, because many of these individuals, when they get these, are people who are working, and as a result of the of the illness, uh, at some point, many of them are unable to work. And despite the fact that it's a recognized illness and they have treatment providers that provide reports, medical support, insurance companies oftentimes deny these claims. Now, not only do they do that, but I end up having a 15-minute chat with him last night. And I said to him, I said, you know, I can, I would be more than happy to speak to your, to your group uh, as many times as necessary and answer all the questions. And he said, you know, what's interesting is that oftentimes as a treatment, many doctors say exercise, right? That's a huge thing for them. So this gentleman, for example, uh, cycles a lot. John, I know you like to cycle. I mean, it's a very healthy activity. 
And so the nature of the question he had for me is, you know, there's a concern. Maybe I cycle, maybe I, I swim, maybe I go to the gym. Insurance companies are known for conducting surveillance. So what happens when they have a private investigator uh, do surveillance on you and then use that, you know, they throw it in your face and tell you, aha, we see you can cycle, we see you can swim, go to the gym, whatever, why can't you work? Meanwhile, they're doing these exercises as, as, a, as a management uh, strategy, right? As to, to try and, and treat themselves and to do the best they can for themselves, for their health, with the blessing of their doctors. In fact, at the direction of their doctors. But again, the insurance company uses that to cut them off or to deny their disability claims. And so I'm going to be answering those kinds of questions. It's a very interesting scenario. Albert and I and many lawyers in our office have dealt with countless cases of insurance companies cutting people off long-term disability on the basis of surveillance. And, you know, what's tragic about the situation is that oftentimes the surveillance shows nothing. In fact, not not just nothing. Sometimes it even supports the person's, uh, um, uh, sto- not story, but, you know, the, the, the facts that they relate to the insurance company about their limitations. And, and so, but what insurance companies are doing is they're gaslighting these individuals. We've seen this time and time again. In fact, I had a trial a few years back where I think, and again, trials are very, very rare, but it's just an interesting instance. It was a trial where the defendant, uh, the insurance company, played uh, surveillance, I think, for about two hours. And in the judgment, the judge actually hit them hard on that and says it showed essentially nothing, absolutely nothing. It was a waste of the court's time. You know, that's what you got out of that, uh, you know, what he wrote in that judgment. So what I'm saying is that uh, if you're in a situation like this where you've been cut off as a result of surveillance, don't just simply give up. Don't try to appeal those kinds of decisions. Come to us, speak with us, explain to us what it is that we're seeing on the surveillance. We will help you fight the insurance company. And on, on the other hand here, with this gentleman who's contacted me on behalf of the Parkinson's group, um, if there's anyone else out there, whether you're part of a group not Parkinson's, but something else, mental health types, issues, uh, physical types of issues, diseases, and all that. There are many support groups out there. We routinely provide Q&As uh, and seminars on in, on topics that are interesting for these members in the event that they need them. And by the way, it's not just on disability, it's also on employment, where many of these individuals right. then have issues with their employment. So just want to put it out there, very interesting email I got, not unusual, but putting it out there for anyone who's part of that kind of a group who wants to touch base with us, uh, contact me directly, be more than happy to uh, to attend one of your group sessions. The website disabilityrights.ca, also a great resource for uh, searching for uh, current and uh, past TV shows as well, disabilityrights.ca, and then, of course, for free questions and answers about LTD, we've, we've used this already today, mydisabilityquestions.com. What's, uh, what's next, guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen countless surveillance surveillance videos they're, they're not very fun to watch i can tell you but <laughs> well they're boring to watch actually they're sure show nothing well exactly and they're spending so much money to follow these poor people and it's and it's uh and it actually scares people because uh now now we're creating a culture where an insurance company may be following you and usually it doesn't happen it's not something that you ultimately have to worry about but when i have seen these surveillance videos or i've reviewed these reports most time, most most times, really, they're finding absolutely nothing. And I've seen insurance companies many, many, many times cut people off because of some alleged surveillance video. And then when I go and watch the video, it essentially shows the person doing nothing. 
So my point in all of this is if they tell you that you have the surveillance, they have surveillance on you, or if they tell you that they might be cutting you off because of surveillance, ask to watch it. Ask what it actually says. Ask what the report says. Ask for a copy of the report. It, I, I, I have a recent case, which I, uh, which I can't give too, too many particulars of, but basically it, saw, it, it viewed my client over a 15-day period going to a grocery store, uh, walk, walking, walking her dog, and, uh, and, and going out for lunch. That's over 15 days. A, it costs about $1,000 a day or sometimes more to follow someone for a full day. So we're talking $15,000 that the insurance company spent, and they saw activity on about three days. And that's how they were cutting the person off. That means over 12 of those other days, they saw essentially nothing. And so you have to, you have to be vigilant. You have to look at what, what, the, what basis they're actually cutting you off for. And if they're going to cut you off for surveillance, ask for a copy of it. Ask to see it. Because more times than not, they're, they're gaslighting you. They're, they're, they're trying to cut you off without actually having to provide proof of the basis for why they're doing it. And they try and be vague. And that's just an insurance company tactic. And in fact, in fact, John, uh, not only that, but oftentimes they'll se- they, they will send you selected excerpts, right? They won't even send you the whole thing. Now, once we get involved and we start legal action against them, uh, in the event they cut you off, they actually have to provide, uh, you know, the whole thing eventually if they're going to use it. Uh, there are also reports that the investigators provide, which they don't share with you. So, you know, you, you certainly are able to request all of that. But Albert is completely correct. I remember actually a case years ago with a gentleman who was in a, in a pretty horrible car accident. Now, this gentleman was in his late 40s. Uh, he was a construction worker, but not just any construction. He was doing sheet metal work. This is very, very heavy-duty type work yeah, in buildings. So this gentleman gets, uh, an, it's an injury to his shoulder. It's a torn shoulder. Uh, and at his age, with the kind of surgery he underwent, he would never be the same. He's never going to have the same power and movement rotation in his shoulder. His doctors confirmed it. The surgeon confirmed it. No question about that. The insurance company took the position that they had surveillance that showed him at a coffee shop raising uh, a Tim Hortons uh, small coffee to his mouth saying, this is proof that he can use his arm the way he did before the accident. Can you believe that? A whole coffee cup, eh? Wow. I, I'm not kidding Olympia. you, John. I'm not. I can tell you that the lawyer defending the case, when I was speaking with him off the record, was embarrassed. hundred percent position that the insurance company took, because oftentimes they take these ridiculous positions. But here's the thing: unless you know what to look for, unless you know what to ask, unless you know how to deal with this insurance company, you feel like you have no options. You feel like you have no power. That's what Albert is trying to tell you. That's what I am telling you. Each and every week, you have a lot more power with these insurance companies than you think. They're not going to play ball with you, and oftentimes we have to force them to pay you what you're owed, but we can force them. There are options out there. You don't want to play into their hands and simply walk away from this money because it's money that's owed to you. Keep that in mind. It's interesting, you know, because based on Albert's example, you know, 15 hours of, of tape and two yeah. hours that show something, doesn't that really bode well for you guys? That, that That's yes. just more, that's just another arrow in your quiver saying, look, this person's on the up and up. Plus, the, the sidebar to yes. this whole thing is if, if you're a person that's being surveilled, but it, from the get-go, if you're not trying to game the system, if you're honestly disabled, you have nothing to fear. Let them let them record you uh, 100 hours a day. It, it doesn't matter. You're not You're not doing anything that's not you're absolutely board, right. right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you only have something to fear if you are lying. 
If you're yeah. not lying, you have nothing to fear. Incidentally, that trial that I talked about a few years ago that I had, uh, some of the best time I had during that trial was cross-examining the private investigator. It was phenomenal. I loved it. I loved nitpicking on everything. I mean, by the time they finished, I think they were sorry that they actually put that surveillance up there and the investigator. So again, if you're not lying, if you're being truthful, if you're suffering from what you say you're suffering, you have zero to worry about, nothing to worry about. But again, as Albert says, it can be very intimidating, and it is intimidating. So, The number, one 855 821 We got uh, lots to go through here. Still a couple minutes left before we uh, we got to take a break. Savannah, where do you want to take it? Do you want to get into an email, or you got uh, something else from MyDisabilityQuestions.com? Uh, not my disability. I want to get into an email that someone sent me uh, okay, from good. BC. It's a lady from BC, and I want to I want to read that. And, Albert, I'll ask you to comment on this. So I'm not going to mention this lady's name. That's how she introduced herself. But she says, I've been on LTD since 2018. She gives the insurance company's name. Uh, and she also says she's on CPP disability. Uh, she says, I've also been granted the tax exemption. So it's, it's the, it's the uh, disability tax credit. She's saying the insurance company is asking me to prove each year that I'm unable to work. I have PTSD, anxiety, depression, uh, unclosing spondylitis, aortoaneurysm, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, central sensitivity syndrome, COPD, asthma, incontinence, and the list goes on. Wow. Okay, I'm just reading the email right now. She says, my question is, must I keep reporting every year uh, to the insurance company as there is no way I will ever get better? I feel that my insurance company is creating a harassment issue here. They keep telling me that it's part of the contract to report every year how I'm doing. What do you think about that? I mean, obviously, obviously you're going through a lot and... Savannah didn't even touch on absolutely every every condition in your email, which which obviously speaks to the gravity of everything you're dealing with. Obviously, you've been approved for CP, CPPD. Uh, you've been approved for the tax exemption. And I 100% get where you are coming from. You're saying, I've been approved for everything. I'm dealing with this multitude concoction of issues. Why should I have to continue to prove something? What's the point, right? Nothing's changing. And I 100% agree, agree with you. Uh, unfortunately, the insurance company does have a right or obligation to assess your medical evidence. And you have, you're under a contract. Their end of the contract is they have to pay you every month. Your end of the contract is you have to prove that you are totally disabled in order for them to pay you every month. And I get it. And it, it becomes a question of sort of what's what's reasonable here, right? I mean... Trust me, and, and I have many, many cases where an insurance company is following up with my clients every single week. And I don't want to trivialize how annoying it is or how, how unreasonable it is for an insurance company, given your condition, to follow up with you at all. But unfortunately, given their contract that they drafted, they do have a right to do it. And my usual advice is if it's not going to kill you to uh, to to go in once a year, get your doctors to fill out some form. It's probably the path of least resistance to just do it. Yeah. Reaching out further as we uh, we go to a quick break, guys. It's a one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The email address we use, and you can as well. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And for uh, FAQs about LTD, just go there. LTDFAQ.ca. We'll continue. More disability law show is on the way.
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Disability Law Show co-founding partner, Savannah Tumarkin and partner Albert Klein here to answer all your questions every week. You can reach out to the guys and their team. No problem. Have a chat. Uh, take a little more time than you have here on the uh, the radio show to get an email through. That is help at disabilityrights.ca, the number one 855 Free questions, answers about LTD. Yet another resource for you. Absolutely free. Absolutely anonymous. My disabilityquestions.com. I know I got a bunch of emails in front of me, uh, Savannah, but you got a couple more to get through first, right? We do. It's, it's yep. just so much uh, to get through, John. Uh, but but he, here's an interesting one. There's a lady that contacted me, again, out of British Columbia, and this was uh, in June, and she had a follow-up recently, so I'm going to tell you what happened here. So her husband has been on LTD uh, for, I think, about six months. This was in June due to severe anxiety. And then she contacts me because the insurance company, his LTD insurer, wants to, wanted to send him to an independent medical examination. Again, something that happens quite often, and it's usually, I tell people, a red flag. Um, not because it means you're going to be cut off, but it means that the insurance company is starting to look for ways to stop your benefits. And one of the ways they do that is by sending you uh, to one of their doctors for an assessment, hoping that their doctor, underline the word there, okay, because uh, they're, they're paying that doctor for that mm-hmm. assessment, uh, hopefully that doctor will disagree with your doctor, and tell the insurance company that you're actually better uh, or, or healthier and are able to go back to work. So the reason she contacted me is because the uh, doctor from the insurance company, the IME doctor, or the, or the doctor's office, sent them a consent form to sign before the assessment. And in the consent form, there is a line that says, I understand that this assessment will be performed on behalf of my insurer or employer for medical purposes and not at the request of my attending physician, and as such, the evaluation report cannot be discussed or released with me. It will be my responsibility, if I so wish, to request my insurer or employer a copy of the report to be forwarded to my attending physician. So the question is, or the crux of the issue here for this lady, um, was the whole employer issue, right? This is an IME conducted on behalf of an insurance company, and they're concerned that whatever medical report is generated from the Siamese doctor will go to this lady's husband's employer, which of course it should not. And so she wanted to know what to do about that. And I told her, we can amend the consent form. We can tell them that we want to make it explicit that the IME report does not go to the employer. That's number one. Uh, Number two, I don't like this uh, verbiage in the consent here that says that the report will not be released to the person that is being assessed. In fact, when you go to the ltdfaq.ca website that we talked about at the outset of the show, uh, you will see that there is a memo about IMEs, those independent medical assessments, uh, examinations. One of the things I say is when your adjuster tells you that you will be going to one of them, confirm in writing to them that you're going to get a copy of that full report that's generated by the IME assessor. And the reason is because in the event that the IME assessment doesn't go your way, in the event that the report contradicts what your doctors say, you want to have the ability to look at that report and go through all the errors in it and have your doctors then respond to it. And so that's what I was corresponding with her back in June. Well, uh, a few months later, this is very recent, 
uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, she contacts me again and she says, thank you very much for your advice from June. Uh, the assessment for my husband has been done last month and the IME report has been received two days ago. I'm going to read you the rest of what she emails me now. She says, the report has quite a few missed points. The main issue we believe is that the diagnosis is much lighter and even ignored one of the major illnesses diagnosed by my husband's specialist last year. Although the report does not agree with any return to work, it gives recommendations including to add small doses of medicine. Uh, and then she writes, the specialist, who does not, the specialist who does not like to involve anything with the insurance company from the beginning has signed my husband off this March, which we only knew a few days ago from the assistant of the specialist when we requested the copy, the, 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 the copy of the report. Then she says, we finally got the report from our family doctor uh, and is meeting with my family doctor in, in, those, in, in a couple of weeks to talk about uh, the IME report. So then she goes on and says, what should we do? And she gives me a few things. So again, just to summarize here, this lady contacts me back in June concerning, uh, concerned about an IME that is going to happen to her husband, arranged for by the insurance company. The IME, this, this examination by the insurance company doctor, goes ahead and she gets the report uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, the report has, has errors in it. What to do about that? And so I told her, here's what you do. First of all, you make a list of all the errors. I mean, not her, her husband. Make a list of all the errors. Uh, if there are factual errors about the medical history, make a list of those. If there are errors about what happened during the examination itself, make a list of those. Make a list of everything that is wrong with our report. Send that list to the adjuster and say, on the record, I want to make sure that it's on the record that these are all the errors with the report. Now, in this case, the report doesn't appear to be saying that he can go back to work, but apparently it's, it's as she puts it, makes the diagnosis much lighter, whatever that means. I guess it means that the assessor says it's not as bad as the treating doctor is saying it is. In a case like this, again, you want to protect yourself against the insurance company. Get your own doctors to look at that report and to provide their opinions in response to the report. Again, you want to make sure your own doctors who are there for you put on the record their opinions with respect to the IME assessor. You want to make sure you do that because if you don't do that, again, down the road, the insurance company is going to say, well, we didn't have anything new from the family doctor or the specialist. All we have now is the most recent report is from our IME doctor. And based on that report, we believe that you can go back to work and we're going to cut you off. Yep. You want to close off that avenue to the insurance company. It's a tit for tat. Every time they do something, you want to make sure that you or your doctors respond back. Do not leave anything unresponded. Do not leave anything just in, in the hands of the insurance company as having the last word. So again, we deal with these kind of cases. And by the way, not every case is the same. Sometimes, uh, you know, these IME doctors will say, we disagree with the assessor about treatment. We disagree about the diagnosis. We disagree about the extent of the limitations. Again, whatever the issue is, if they contradict your own treating doctors in any way, you want to get your own doctor's opinions in writing, uh, and it may cost you some money for the report, right? Because the insurance company is not going to pay you to, uh, to pay your doctors for this, but you need to have it on record. Your doctors need to put their opinions on record, uh, juxtaposing the opinions of the insurance assessors. You need that because that's what's going to protect you down the road if we have to take action. 
Again, you want to reach out, get more information, uh, ltdfaq.ca. You go there and uh, you can select uh, whether it's return to work or independent medical examinations, dealing with a difficult adjuster, uh, employment issues, long-term disability. It's really robust, so you can check that out, ltdfaq.ca. And other than that, there's uh, there's more ways to reach out to Savannah or Albert, a member of their team. The phone number, always toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. And the email, help at disabilityrights.ca. It's a disability law show. Stick around. There's more coming up. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Disability Law Show, Savannah Mark and co-founding partner, Albert Klein, partner here every week doing this show. You want to uh, reach out to them or their their teams as well, you can do that confidentially. one 821 5900 all part of Semfiru Tamark and LLP, the most positively reviewed disability law firm in the country and emails we uh, we mentioned that we'd like to get to a few during the show i know you guys come armed with a bunch but i have some uh, some myself got one from sajila sajila says um hey albert hey savan i suffer from fibromyalgia and was approved for ltd last year my family doctor and specialist have been closely monitoring my condition to ensure my treatment is appropriate in february my insurance company sent me for an assessment and their doctor recommended different medication when i spoke with my GP and specialist. They both said the mediations recommended by the insurance doctor medications will help in the short term, but since they are narcotics, they are highly addictive and have serious side effects and are not a long-term solution. So I'm following my doctor's advice and staying with the medications they recommend, but now my adjuster told me that my benefits are getting cut off because I'm not compliant with recommended treatment. How can they force me to take drugs that my doctors say will harm me? That's crazy. Well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take this one. Sajila, thank you very much for writing in. And you're doing essentially exactly what Savan has just said, right? Uh, you're juxtaposing your doctor's opinions with theirs. And it's great. Now we have something contemporaneous. We have an opinion from your doctors clearly stating that you should not be taking this highly addictive opioid because it's highly addictive and it's just not a long-term solution. And if the insurance company is going to try and say that you should be taking a highly addictive drug when your doctors are clearly stating that you shouldn't, that's not going to take them very far. So I'll, I'll be very quick with this one. You should absolutely call us. You absolutely have a case. If the insurance company is going to try and cut you off on this basis, they're crazy. They're completely out to lunch. They're not, they don't have a leg to stand on, and no, no judge is ever going to tell them that they're right, plain and simple. Savannah, what do you think? <laughs> I'm, just, uh, I'm just amazed at this. Uh, I agree with Albert 100%. Always follow what your doctors are saying. Not because the insurance company's doctors don't know what they're doing. That's not the case. I mean, some of them don't, but, but that's not the reason. The reason is because your doctor, your treating doctor, is the one that's treating you. Right? Many of these individuals who come to us, John, whether it's they've been treated by psychologists or psychiatrists or a chronic pain doctor, family doctor, they've been treated by these doctors for years. Yeah. So these individuals are aware of sort of the full complexity of the individual's condition or set of conditions. The IME doctor may not be aware of all the nuances here. And so I would be very skeptical in a situation where there is a discrepancy between what the IME assessor says you should do and what your own doctors say you should do. 
I think that the more correct way of approaching this from the adjuster standpoint to protect the insurance company, not that I want to give information here about how to protect them, but what I think is more reasonable is for the adjusters to say that he would like to coordinate a meeting or a call between the IME assessor and the individuals, the claimant's own doctor, and have them talk about it and come to some kind of an agreement if possible. At the end of the day, you as a claimant, Sajila, uh, as an individual suffering from what you're suffering for and are being treated by the people who are treating you, should be following your doctor's advice and recommendations. And if the insurance company cuts you off as a result of you listening or preferring your doctor's recommendations, good luck to them. Good luck to them. I can tell you right now, if we litigate this, if we go through the legal process, the insurance company is going to back off so fast, so fast, they're not going to know what hit them. But we need to make sure that they understand that uh, they're in the wrong here and you're going to be following your own doctor's advice. Does your skepticism, Savan, grow if this examination is uh, what I guess you refer to as a paper review, meaning that their their doctor actually hasn't spent any time in the presence of your client? It's more uh, looking through files and making a, making a judgment at that point? 100%. 100%. Insurance companies, you're right, John, a lot of times don't even have you seen by one of their doctors. They simply take the medical documentation they have on file for you, they ship it off or they email it, to the assessor that they've selected. This assessor has never spoken with you, never assessed you, never seen you. All they have are the medical records. And on the basis of the medical records, they say, here's what we believe you should be doing, claimant. And again, compare that. Just imagine, John, if you were a judge, and on the one hand, you have that kind of an assessor giving evidence or testimony, when that person has never even seen the uh, the claimant. And on the other hand, you have treating doctors that have been treating this person for years. Just common sense. Who are you going to defer to? You're going to defer to whoever's been treating this individual. It's just that simple. Uh, so, yeah, 100%. I, I th- the cases, by the way, there's been case law from from courts, from the courts, where, where judges have hammered insurance companies for these paper assessments because they're so useless. Not only are they useless, they're damaging because they can confuse the issues here. And some claimants will unfortunately, defer to the opinion of the IME assessor, the insurance company's assessor, to their own detriment when it's in contradiction with what their doctors are saying because they're so afraid of being cut off benefits. And I understand that. But if you want to do the right thing for yourself and for your case, you follow what your doctors are saying, the people who've been treating you and care for you. Last uh, minute or so of the show, Savannah, any advice moving forward for people, especially with COVID-19 and all that anxiety and and stress building up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've seen individuals who uh, who are suffering from COVID nineteen, uh, long haulers as they call them, uh, and those individuals unfortunately have not recovered fully. They're still disabled from working, many of them, and again, they're having the same kinds of issues that other people are having with insurance companies denying their long term disability claims or cutting them off. We help these kinds of people. Uh, we we this is this is what we do. We are here to empower you, to help you deal with your insurance company. And if it's not you, if it's someone you can think of, a colleague, a family member, a friend that needs this help, please direct them to our websites, have them call us. It's going to cost nothing for them to get this information, but they will be that much stronger for it. 
A wrap for another day. Again, reaching out to Savan co-founding partner or Albert, the partner of the firm, Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP. There's no charge just to pick up a phone and have a chat. Get some clarity, right? Always a good place to start. 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email address we go to. And as mentioned off the top of the show, uh, Savan pulled a couple uh, letters and questions from mydisabilityquestions.com. That is a resource for you that is absolutely free and anonymous and recently minted and uh, available available for you. Uh, you have questions, uh, FAQs about LTD, go to that website, ltdfaq.ca. Again, there's a whole list of things you can click on and, again, learn and get some clarity as well. That'll do it for another show. Appreciate you listening in, and we'll catch you next time. Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.